This is the Future of Security Operations podcast brought to you by Tynes. This show is dedicated to empowering SecOps leaders to reimagine how their teams work so they can scale their security efforts and build a team that achieves more with less. In each episode, we'll learn from a security leader who has found a way to free their team from tedious manual tasks and remove the barriers that are preventing them from doing high value strategic work that truly matters. We'll learn from their mistakes, distill their best practices, and leave you with actionable insights that you can immediately put to work with your team. I'm your host, Thomas Kinsler, COO and co-founder of Tynes. Now, let's jump right into today's show. Hi, everyone. This week, I am delighted to be joined on the Future of Security Operations podcast by Josh Kamju, founder and CEO of Sublime Security, the world's first open and adaptable email security platform. Josh has more than 13 years of experience in the security industry, doing a mix of government work and private consulting before founding Sublime Security in 2019. He holds a BSc in computer science from the University of Maryland and is a regular speaker and much sought after guest at various different security conferences and workshops all across the US and the world. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, TK. Super excited to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, incredibly excited to uh, to have you on. Look, before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and your journey before Sublime? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I got into IT and security when I was in high school. Um, I think like many folks in the security industry, just like started to play around with just like networks and IT and kind of naturally just got curious about breaking into things that I was building. Um, I took some like IT classes in high school and that got me like super hooked on like Cisco networking and routing and like IT stuff. And I eventually just like started breaking into the networks that I was setting up. And so that's what really piqued my curiosity getting into the security industry. So I knew I wanted to do computers from like from from high school and I got accepted to University of Maryland to do computer science and at the same time I got this like scholarship program to do stuff with the government and they kind of like helped fund some schooling and my uh education and then summers every summer while I was at school I would be interning and I would be kind of like rotating at different offices for right the government. And so I kind of got like this traditional software engineering background foundation early on. And then at the same time, I was very heavily focused on security. Like that's, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I was just like, I I wanted to do like offense. I wanted to do like break into stuff. And I, it was just like, you know, super fun. And so went to school, did the government stuff, went uh, after graduation, went to work for the government full-time in, at DOD and various other places. And that's what I, where I spent most of my career prior to Sublime. Mm-hmm. And I also spent some time in the private industry doing like red teaming and different types of like offensive operations. Um, and then ultimately, all of that experience kind of culminated in this like moment where I realized there was this really big problem and no one was really solving it the way that I thought it needed to be solved. And that's what led the founding of Sublime. And that's kind of what led us to be here today. Awesome. And yeah, like I will talk a whole lot about Sublime, but I want to dive into that, that. I suppose that problem. What were you trying to solve? What were the what were, what were the gaps that you're like, oh, actually, this is a, this is an area that I'm I think I can add some value. 
Yeah. So for a great number of the different like offensive ops that I would do, particularly like, let's just focus on the private industry, right? So mm-hmm. I would get into, get access to a network um, via phishing attacks or, or, you know, email based attacks. Yeah. It was always, almost always like the, my initial access vector. And even today, it's still like the number one initial access vector. And so looking back at the security industry and in particular, how email security has been approached for really the beginning of email, it's kind of been relatively the same high level approach, which is like plug in this like black box thing and it's going to analyze all your emails and it's going to like solve all of your problems. Right. And so obviously we've made great, great strides in, you know, the efficacy of those algorithms that we're running. There's been great advancements in like ML and, you know, things like that, but ultimately it's been the same approach. And the real thing that we realized was that, security teams didn't have any control over how their email security worked, right? So they were really completely and 100% reliant on their vendor, basically, right? And so we looked at the rest of the security industry and we're like, this is... This is not how it works in other aspects of security. If you even, like look at endpoint, if you look at like software uh, analysis, if you look at you know um, like EDR and networks and everything, there are tools that enable defenders to build detection rules and have more control over how their security works. And this wasn't the case in email. And so that was the big gap that we realized existed was that security teams needed the, the tooling to um, to have more control over their email environments so that when something did get through, they could do something about it. They could build a new behavioral rule or, or an ML-backed detection. Um, or they could collaborate with others in the community and you know close those gaps or or implement some attack surface reduction in in email and bring some of those really tried and true concepts into the email space. So that's that's kind of the the background on how we got there. So so like yeah, that I I don't want to disparage them because as, as you said, some of them do uh, like have done a re like a. a a very good job for a long, a long time. But you're talking about the likes totally. of like your proof points and your mimecasts, where uh like and even some of the, the solutions provided by like 0365, etc., where they will yeah, they will analyze all people's emails as they're like incoming and presumably outgoing as well. And yeah, but run them against like a black box that's kind of designed to look like a silver bullet to solve all the problems for their email. So you've I suppose Sublime's mission is to make that open and make that transparent and make it visible so that everybody can contribute is same way as I suppose, yeah, your EDR platforms and things like that. Exactly. Like we've got, we've got Swiss army as a security community, right? We've got Swiss army knives for all of these different areas, you know, for SOAR, like you've got tines, right? For, um, for endpoint EDR, you've got CrowdStrike, you've got OS query for networks, you've got, uh, yeah. snort for binaries, you've got Yara. So that that's exactly right. Nice. Okay. Before we dive into some of the more interesting use cases, I'd love to hear a little bit about, I suppose, the the moment when you said, actually, hey, this is for me, especially because you started in red teaming or you, you spent a lot of time in red teaming. When did you say, like, hey, phishing defense, that's it's very like security operations, right? 
Uh, it was, <laughs> that's a really good question. Cause like, it, it's not like a natural thing, right? It's like, uh, no, right. Teamers like to yeah, break <laughs> things and tell blue teamers, you guys are morons. And they yeah. were like, oh, it hurts. <laughs> it was, uh, it's definitely, uh, like, I think the, the big aha moment was it, it was like a culmination of a lot of things. Right. I, I think not only did I see the problem very clearly, Mm-hmm. I had the background to actually build something to address the problem. Like, you know, I, I okay. learned to, I was a software engineer, so I could kind of combine those two, but it is, it's very different being on the defense than, yeah. uh, than being on the offense. <laughs> yeah. Like, my, it's harder. I, but yeah. My background is I spent a long time in the, in the defense. And don't get me wrong. Like the, 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 all the red teams that we worked with, they, they were, like fabulous or they you know taught us a ton but it's uh yeah changing that mindset is um is really hard i think you've referenced this a few times the old quote is like you know the attackers only have to be right once but you're expected to attack or stop all of the attacks you, you don't quite have to do that you should have defense in depth but it's still yeah it's still really hard and it's still a as was a different mindset um a different mindset to have yeah i i think i definitely agree with that the the one thing I've learned is also like probably a product of like I, I'm curious if you feel this way too is like on the defense it, it's absolutely true that like on the on the red team if you're on if you're on the offense you need to find one way to get in and on the defense you are trying to like figure out trying to close all the holes but the one thing that um the, the other thing is that like you also only have to catch the attacker yeah. once right. And so you can kind of like, if you have that mindset where you aren't necessarily like trying to close everything, but you are really trying to, you've got like this defense in depth mindset and, you know, you're laying traps in in various areas, right? Like you've got a low fidelity alert that comes in on one thing. And then, you know, you can automate that through tines, enrich it with a different alert on your endpoints and then correlate that to a higher event, or you've got some traps that you lay on your endpoints. I mean, on the defense, you've got to catch them once and then you can burn Mm -hmm. the entire campaign, right? So like, that's a, I think it's a powerful mindset too, to have on the defense where, you know, you you only have to catch them once as well. So, yeah, well, you, you, I think you have to like the alert has a trigger. And then like the word catch is doing a lot of work in that sentence. It I is. suppose. And it is. That, yeah, you yeah. have to whatever de- detect it and then like respond appropriately. Uh, yeah. Figure out exactly what happened. Patch that, uh, like yeah. patch that hole. So they're not getting in the next time. Um, yeah. And yeah, hopefully make sure that they're, you know, that they haven't embedded themselves. Or anything like that in uh, in your infrastructure. Can, can I ask about um so, so that some of the methods that you're you're talking about and some of the ways you're getting are we talk, talking about things like macro enabled malware and the standard attacks that worked for a long time or are we talking about like uh, especially when it comes to email people are still talking about you know business email compromise fraud and just standard like phishing looking for uh, and you know whatever looking for people's credentials and then even hopefully catching their two FA. So what what do you see out there and what's still working I suppose. We've definitely seen the threat landscape change quite a bit recently with some of the things that you you alluded to. So like for folks that aren't 100% tracking, like Microsoft had 
implemented some additional like default, or they basically changed some of the default security controls, which mitigated a lot of the traditional uh, initial access vectors to inc- like, m- namely um, macro delivery from, yeah. via email. So we've seen that was like the tried and true way of getting yeah. in. And that's what I, I use that like every day, all day, all night to gain access. If, if my objective was like to gain access on an endpoint, it was, it was macros. It, it was macro, it was a macro and attachment or, um, started to shift to like links to macro yeah, yeah. documents that like auto download and whatnot. So we've definitely seen a shift because of that to, different forms of malware initial access. So we've seen like one thing we've seen recently for like uh quackbot campaigns and different types of like these notorious malware families is like PDF attachments with links yeah. to malware. Mm-hmm. Um and so you know that's 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 been one HTML smuggling is like really hot these days too, which is like you basically send an HTML attachment or a link and you smuggle, you you basically encode the contents of the binary and that evades any sort of like network-based detection that you might have, like your secure web gateway or something. Mm-hmm. And then the document basically gets decrypted or deobfuscated on the endpoint and then downloaded and executed. And so we've seen, we've definitely seen a shift to different forms of initial access and obviously we're seeing, you know, if we're besides the malware and ransomware, um, you know, attack vectors, we're, we're, we're seeing like tons of credential phishing. We're seeing tons of BEC um, and could talk for days about how folk, how attackers are like adapting and, and figuring out new ways of evasion. But yeah, we're, we're seeing all of that too. So if I go to like sublime.security now and I can like, deploying out for free or request a demo, which is awesome. But if if I go, am I expected to, you know, develop my own rules to detect, uh, I don't know, OneNote uh, campaigns or there's two questions that I want to hit here. One is like, how do I deploy? And two, if you have like an open and like uh, accessible standard that everybody's supposed to use, what's to stop the attackers? Um, like just looking at this and being like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, Josh isn't actually catching this these days. So therefore we're probably good to deploy this and hit, you know, some of the customers that are also listed on your website. Yeah. Good, good questions. So I'll start with the first one, which is like, when you deploy kind of, what do you get? Um, yeah. So I think we, and we being like us and you know, sublime and times, we've got a similar mindset where we're like, when you like, it should be um, as easy as possible. And, and like, you should be able to get value out of the platform and like use existing stories or use exa- existing detection rules. You shouldn't have to reinvent the wheel, right? 100%, yeah. And so with Sublime, when you deploy, we've got a, you know, we've got a default, we, we've got a detection rule feed that's built by our detection and ML teams that has coverage for what most folks are seeing today. It's going to cover all of these malware and ransomware deliveries, like OneNote attachment uh, delivery, which we've seen like Cuba and others use. You've got credential phishing, you've got BEC, you've got all of these different things that um, basically all the stuff that you are getting right now are probably covered by the feed. Um, And 
the cool thing obviously is that you can build on top of that for things that you're seeing, you can modify stuff and you can do different types of stuff. So that's the, that's the answer to your first question to the second question on attackers. So like security is always a cat and mouse game. I think like attackers can do very similar things to any, like if you're running proof point or whatever, like you can just deliver something in that environment and you can then, there's basically like one, it's a difference between, I think one lock on every door and different locks on every door with sublime. You actually don't know what people are running. Um, whether it's the default detection rules feed, or if it's a bunch of custom stuff that they built, that's like thing one where, it's a different lock on every door. So as an attacker, you actually have no idea what you're going up against. And that's actually kind of like, you know, uh, worrying from an attacker. You also know there's a lock there as well. So uh, on a lock that's going to alert you if it's starting being, uh, being tampered with. So that's a, that's a good start. That's yeah. So that's thing one thing two is like, what we do is there's a lot of things that are environment specific, um, which you can't necessarily predict as an Mm -hmm. attacker so you know we can we can train things locally to your environments there's a lot of like environment specific uh contexts that's built into detections so like we'll sync with azure ad or google workspace and you know we'll pull in these different contextual elements we'll build history within the environment so as an attacker you don't actually know what these specific things are, right? And, and if you were to deploy in your own environment and try and replicate this, it wouldn't flag, but it could very well flag and, and uh, get detected in someone else's environment because you don't know what those contextual elements are. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's an, that's another way. Okay, makes a ton of sense. Um, I want to go back to just, the, I suppose, the moment that you you started. Um, if I understand correctly, you initially didn't think, hey, we're going to build a product. You thought, hey, we're going to build a consulting company. And then like, how did you, A, switch to being a product and then go about getting your first you know, customers, getting those few, uh, those few early wins? How, what was that process like? Yeah, so the, the very early days was... Um, basically a way for me to uh, gain more experience doing this, doing like offensive ops in the private industry. So that's what the like initial um, one of the initial motivations was for like, let's just, let, let me just get a bunch of experience doing this in the private industry. So that's kind of like what the origin was for the, um, like the, the consultancy that that I started doing initially. And I didn't actually know at that point that I wanted to build a product or anything. Like I was just really enjoying doing offensive ops and like breaking into banks and stuff like that. So, you know, it was just a really good time. Um, but then what was the second part of your question? Uh, I suppose, what was the journey like to getting those first few customers? How, how did you, th- th- like yeah. so, some of the customers on your like on your logo page and I know you've got a ton more but they're incredible you know the, and it's it's not it's not many startups that could name yeah like Spotify or Reddit as you know as among their first couple of customers so how did like how did you approach that how did you you know knock on this or, or did they come to you what was that what was that process like yeah so in the early days 
one of the advantages of being a practitioner is that, and, and I, I'm sure you felt the same way too, is that you, you've got empathy and you can build something that like, obviously you're, you're not going to get it right on the first try. Right. And, and like, it takes a lot of iteration and a lot of like blood, sweat, and tears to build something that's super usable and really solves people's problems. But mm -hmm. as a practitioner, you've got a certain level of empathy that, you know, as you're building something or as you're doing like customer discovery, or as you're learning about different like problems that people are having, um, you can build something that's like, that, that really solves their problem in, in a usable way. And the, the very early days of customer traction was through, um, was through a process that we did that there was, there was a couple things, actually, there was people in my network that I kind of reached out to, whether it's on LinkedIn or, you know, folks that I knew that I thought might have this problem and were interested in trying out something that would solve that problem. So I definitely had my network, but also doing a process of discovery where I, we reached out to folks to learn more about their problems, not, not mm -hmm. from a, like we literally, we were not trying to sell them anything. We were really just trying to understand what their top problems were and if they could wave a magic wand, like how that problem, like how they would want that problem to be solved. And so a lot of, a lot of like the initial interests and the initial users, this is like way back in the day, was a result of those conversations where, you know, we'd reach out to people, a lot of people cold, right? Or a lot of people that were like second degree connections, but they led security teams or they mm -hmm. were in the industry. And we would just reach out to them for advice and, and discovery. Like, hey, like we, you know, we'd love to just learn more about the problems that you've got. And through that, there naturally was some mutual interest for some folks to um to like stay in touch or and like this is pre-product too, right? Yeah, it, this is yeah. like we're really trying to understand and hone in the use case and a lot of the initial users were were from that um and 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 through the, through the network nice um how did you uh I, i'm asking this because i find this incredibly hard but how did you find that process of like shifting from i suppose the good side you know the 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 side that was like I suppose, you know, operating in industry to being the, you know, the dark side, the vendor, the the person that's trying to sell you something and like, you know, dealing with hey, difficult questions like, you know, what's how do you price? How do you uh, you know, how do you support me? How do you, you know, how do you prioritize those features? How did you find that shift and that um yeah, the the change and I suppose has that like has your experience in the government and industry shaped the way you've approached building the product and dealing with your customers? Absolutely. But before I answer that, I, I was trying to think of the book that I read that helped uh, that Ian and I both read that helped with that discovery process. So for anyone listening that might be interested in that, the the book is called The Four Steps to the Epiphany. Um, and that was just like super helpful by Steve Blank. So anyway, just wanted to nice. no, thank you. drop that out there.
what I was asking there was, I suppose, how has how has your experience like being sold to and dealing with companies that were trying to sell to you? How has that shaped your approach to like talking to CISOs, talking to directors, talking to practitioners? Yeah. So it's again as a as a, and I'm sure you feel the same way. I think from being a practitioner, you you have a lot of empathy and deeply understand how security people think. And and like, you've been in the shoes of the person that you are selling to. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, how much BS is out there, you know, how much people hate just being lied to and like snake oil. Uh, There's so much, so much of that in the security industry it's so noisy, right? There's like, Mm -hmm. everyone's trying to do something. And like, it's just like, how do you cut through the noise as a practitioner? And so everyone I talk to loves times, right? Like literally everyone is like, the team's amazing. Like everyone I talk to is amazing. And I think the practitioner mindset is, is baked into our respective cultures as an organization, mm-hmm. like it will be a very dark day. <laughs> the the day that like our sales team does something that like is, you know, that like is, you know, like lies to somebody or like does some shady stuff, you know, like it, it I will, <laughs> I will rain hell. Right. Because <laughs> we know <laughs> We know how much that sucks. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And um, you're also like in an extremely privileged position to be able to work with these very smart teams and with the directors and with the CISOs from these uh, from these organizations. What what are some of the lessons that you've learned from them? What are some of the uh, I suppose what are the best companies you're working with doing that you think other people listening to this podcast could uh, you know take some inspiration or take some lessons from? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's there's a lot there's a lot that we could talk about there. Like I think one thing that stands out f- from the you know, the really top teams is like you've got to you've got to focus on the basics before you can dig into yeah. all of this like really advanced cool stuff that like, you know, like if you don't have MFA set up on everything, then like you have no business doing this other cool hot thing over here. Right. <laughs> and, and so I think a lot of the top teams have like, it's almost like a hierarchy of needs, right? It's like, you got to start at the, at the tippy top and you've got to get the basics down first. You've got to like know where your assets are. You've got to like, have MFA set up everywhere. You've got to, you know, deploy, uh, you got to have like EDR, you've got to have email security. You've got to have like these, you know, this like hierarchy of needs set up. And then once you've got the basics, you've got telemetry coming in, you've got these things, right. You can start to make use of that stuff and build on top of it and use tools. You can start to automate the heck out of everything, like with tines and enrich, 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 contextualize, automate all the manual stuff, right? And then, then 
then that becomes just a, a an insane force multiplier to your team. And you can do a lot more with a lot less. And yeah, I mean, that's like at least one of the things that very much stands out is yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's definitely what we see the, the teams that I that I enjoy working with and I respect the most are the teams that have focused on those being flawless in those fundamentals that they're like, you know what, we're doing the, some of the hard things, but some of the boring things really well. And, you know, there's a lot of manual work that security teams spend their time on. And again, you can automate away a lot of that, but it's even, yeah, as you say, there's no point. uh, It's not, there's no point. It's, it's useful. People can grow, people can like learn and they can share. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun in, you know, building out these crazy detections for this brand new, like, you know, whatever brand new version of malware or something else coming out. Right. But if you don't have yeah, 2FA on yeah, your email, then to be honest, you're you, that's probably not what's going to get you. It's probably yeah. going to be uh, it's probably going to be the fact that you don't have 2FA on your uh, on your email. I think yeah, I think it's I think it's a couple of things. It's like understanding what your threat model is because most most organizations aren't going to get hit by the really sophisticated stuff. They're going to be like it's going to be a generic, you know, mass phishing campaign that's going to fish your credentials, or it's going to be a misconfigured S3 bucket, or it's going to be, you know, these like these things that aren't necessarily targeted. And so if you're worrying about like the new hot thing, but you don't have the basics down, what are you most likely it like security is really about, you know, mitigate like minimizing risk, right? It, it's and so what are you? most likely to get hit by and and what's going to cause the most amount of of damage so yeah it's like having that mindset i think is important i suppose how does i suppose how does sublime come in there to help with yeah to help with some of those challenges to help with like those yeah that mundane part that boring part that like hey to to enable people to get the most out of their teams and even to like help with the yeah some of the challenges around yeah, like around mental health, where like teams are dealing with dealing with stressful environments uh, and the the threat of a security incident happening all the time. Start with the first part, which is like, what are we doing on the to to help with like the the mitigating the on the detection side? Mm-hmm. So when you deploy Sublime, you get blanket detect you get blanket like prevention or detection for all the commodity stuff that you're likely to see. So yeah. it's all the, it's all the credential phishing, it's all of the it's all the malware delivery, it's all the BEC. That just that just works. And it's it's super important to for us, you know, min, min, minimizing false positives, you know, we don't want to create work for the team. The team already has enough work. And so mm-hmm. we want to want to minimize false positives and, and and increase true positives. Um and so when you plug in Sublime, that's what you get. So, like, we try and solve the email email security as much as possible for you when you plug it in. Obviously, that is never going to be perfect. Everyone that tells you so is 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 blowing smoke, right? And so that's that's where the that's where using a tool like Sublime, which gives you the customizability to build your own you know stuff, yeah. enables you to then be able to close any gaps 
that you see or that you encounter, which will inevitably happen. You've got the tools to do it now. So you don't have to wait like six months or whatever for that that gap to be closed. So that's what we we try and give those tools to teams. We try and make it really easy also so that when you're building these things, you're not going to create a bunch of false positives. So like you can retro new detections against historical data and you can get results, you know, very, very quickly. The other part about it that I'm just, I was part of a randomly browsing Reddit and came across it. Well, I don't, I cannot remember. It's been a month ago. Um, yeah, it was just people discussing some new campaign and someone was like, oh, I wrote a, wrote a new rule and they just shared it with the community. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a, that's incredibly powerful that you're crowdsourcing detections and standardizing detections for all of your customers, right? And it's 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 not even that you're writing them, sorry. Your customers are crowdsourcing and sharing with everybody else in the community. That's that's the beautiful thing. And like most of them, or I say many of them, are not even customers, right? Like mm-hmm. there's they are the the core of Sublime is completely free. Like deploy it to your own network, your own AWS account. There's no mailbox limit. It's it's just like run it and and like start closing gaps. And, and that's literally free. And, and you can just do that. And obviously, like we've got like an enterprise plan where you can mm-hmm. um, add some like bells and whistles and whatever. But like a lot of those conversations and a lot of the sharing is happening from people that have never paid us a single dime, which is honestly incredible. Like I, I think that is how we solve this problem is by is by building something that enables the entire community to collaborate, not just like a small subsection. Um, cause like that's that's what's enabled us to really, you know, push forward when it comes to like detection of malware with Yara SIGs and like, you know, these these other the, the other tooling that we've got. It's like it's about giving the entire community a standard way of collaborating and sharing. And that's one of the things that really excites me the most. I love it. And yeah, completely, yeah, uh, completely agree. Same with like Sigma rules, obviously, where you're just standardizing and making available a, a format that everybody can um everybody can use. Um yeah. so I wanna again, you you have the experience of working with uh, like a whole lot of incredible security teams, but also working with a lot of uh, great partners. What, where do you think security operations is going to be in five years time? I think what we'll see is we'll do teams will do more with less. Mm -hmm. We we're already seeing this today. Thanks to, thanks to the tines and, and, you know, tools that enable teams to like force multiply where, you know, you've got something that's super manual, repetitive, and like you can, you can automate that away. And then the rest of your team can focus on this, you know, the much more advanced or, or, or things that can't be automated as, as much company specific risk reductions as well. Right. And so I think we'll see we'll see more of that. I think we we will see as much as like I hate to use this buzzword, I do think that like generative AI will make a big impact in the security space. And I, I think that that will greatly enhance security teams' ability to conduct operations and 
there's a few reasons why I think that. The big one is like, if you think about what Gen AI, like, you know, chat GPT, for example, if you think about what these tools are really good at, it's about being fed. It, it's like having a memory that never forgets and has insane recall, right? And, and so if you can feed these types of tools an insane amount of data that's like specific to your environment, feed it all your alerts, feed it all of your, um, you know, basically as much context as you can, you can then recall and, and leverage that in your investigations. And, and I think we'll see, we'll see more of that enhancing how we do ops. Um, I think that'll be, that, that, that'll be another thing, just like in the bucket of things that are going to enable us, enable security ops, security teams to do more with less. I think that'll be, that'll be a big one. Um, yeah. And, and I think tools like ultimately giving security teams tools to leverage these things is key. Right. And, and, and to have control over these different things. So like, that's where I think, you know, Tynes is going to be critical to that because it's your interface to all of these things. Mm -hmm. it, it, it enables you to connect A to B and enrich, you know, Y to C, Y to Z. Um, I think Sublime is going to play a big part in that too, giving giving folks the ability to control and adapt and leverage context and and things like that. So we've talked a little bit about the future of like where you think security is going. Where's Sublime going? What uh, what's in the plans? What can we expect in the next? Uh, I'm looking for your 90 day, like 12 month, 18 month, 36 month roadmap. What, what what are you most excited about? Oh man, there is there is so much. Like despite you know, despite how far we've come, we are literally just getting started. Mm -hmm. Literally, I mean, we've got um, we've got so much planned for the next you know couple months and and obviously year plus if we were to group them in like a few categories one of the like one category is like on the detection efficacy side mm -hmm. so we've got a ton of new detection capabilities that were that we're working on um things that will make are for example but if we're if we were to like drill down really specific, they're like things that'll make credential phishing detection a lot more robust, things that will make um, you know, our ability to detect malware and ransomware more robust, integrations with additional uh tools that are like best in class, like, you know, take this attachment and, you know, like leverage um additional like enrichments and bring all that context into your detection. Um, so yeah, we're, we're working on a ton of improvements to detection and prevention. Um, so that's, yeah, definitely one of the things I'm, I'm very excited about. <laughs> awesome. I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Josh, unfortunately that is all we're going to have time for today. Um, if people want to follow you, follow your journey, uh, check out sublime, where should they go? So for me personally, you can find me on Twitter at J Kamju, J K A M D J O U. 
or LinkedIn or whatever. I'm not really on LinkedIn that much, but Twitter is probably a better place. Um, for Sublime, uh, Sublime.security or at Sublime underscore sec on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I yeah hope hope to catch, catch you again in person soon, but uh, have you on here again in the future. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, TK. Thanks for listening to the Future of Security Operations podcast by Tynes. If you enjoyed today's show, please do us a favor and leave us a review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast platform. For additional episodes, visit tynes.com slash podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about how Tynes Automation Platform can transform your security operations team, visit tynes.com. Thanks again, and I'll catch you on the next episode.